0: I'd like for you to take your Bibles tonight and just jump into the scriptures and ask the Lord to help you a little bit tonight. And uh, <clears throat> I want to speak on a subject, and, and, and the subject is just a question tonight, it is why? It is why, and I want to take just a small part of a big story. Okay, John 11, and uh, some of you have heard Pastor preach on this passage in large and just a wonderful message. And if you like to look in the archives, it is entitled "I'm Glad You're Going Through a Trial," and it is just a tremendous, tremendous message. But I'm studying through the Gospel of John, and I have been since uh, January, and so we've been there for a long time, Sister Q, in the Spanish ministry. And I'm just kind of going slow. I'm not trying to really. I don't have a date where I'm going to be done and all that. Uh, I know those things that drive pastor crazy. He's, he's got the goal. And he's got the mark and calendar. And I'm just like, Hey man, whatever the Lord's going, you know, doing and all that. But I don't know. We got to meet somewhere in the middle, right? Pastor, <laughs> but it's a joy, uh, uh, to, uh, to, to preach through this message. But, uh, I, I believe that this morning, the Lord just helped me communicate this and, and, uh, you know, I, I'm more comfortable preaching in the Spanish language, believe it or not, okay, and uh, being from the east side of Long Beach, okay, and so uh, sometimes I just think in Spanish, all right, so I tell different places where I go, Brother Dan, I was out in South Carolina preaching, and I was wild, man, I was wild, seriously, seriously, That was wild, my confederate flags down the street, no lie, confederate flags down the street, and here I am preaching, man, and it was wild, man, but we had a great time, but I told him, I said, man, if I drop some Spanish on y'all, don't trip, just act like you know, you know what I mean, just shake. Your head. It's okay. Just act like, you know, uh, that don't trip just means don't act confused. Okay, Brother Smith, I say that for you, okay? But Santa Ana, Santa Ana, baby, represent, okay? But, okay, so uh, I said, don't worry about it, you know, don't worry about it. I'll throw some Spanish out at you, but uh, I'm more comfortable just preaching in Spanish, you know, and, but, you know, God allows me, obviously, to do the English thing, and, but anyways, why? Why? Uh, go to John 11, and we'll pick up the story in verse 17. John 11, in verse number 17, the Bible says, then when Jesus came, (laughs) by the way, that's a wonderful phrase, is it not? When Jesus came, I like that. He found that he had been laying in the grave four days already. And so he, speaking of Lazarus, Lazarus was dead for 96 hours already. Uh, It'd been four days. So there is, uh, there's no doubt that his body began to decompose. Okay, this is a hopeless situation. Humanly speaking, this is a hopeless situation. There is nothing that Mary can do about this situation. There is nothing that Martha can do about this situation. The friends that were in the house uh, consoling them. It was out of their control, out of their care. They could do nothing for them at this time. It was 96 hours before Jesus showed up. In verse number 18, the Bible says, Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, it was near unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. A furlong was about 202 yards, okay, so 15 times the 202, it's about 1.75 miles, okay? So Jesus is about less than two miles from this tragedy. Jesus is nearby. And the Bible says in verse number 19, And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, I just want to make some preliminary notes right here. Now, there is no doubt that Mary and Martha and Lazarus have a tremendous and profound love for Jesus Christ. How many with me on that? They love Jesus. Why do I say that, Brother Chad? Because the Bible says it was that Mary who anointed the the, the body of Christ, the head of Christ, and washed his feet with her hair. And so she has a tremendous love for Jesus. Martha was busy cooking and getting the house ready when Jesus visited them prior to this instant here in Bethany. I believe that Lazarus is the little brother in this situation. He had no responsibilities, okay? So Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, I believe that they love Jesus but also know that Jesus loved them. For the Bible says that when they sent notice, they said, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now, Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So, uh, the love of Christ and the glory of God are not at odds. I spoke about this last week, okay? But Jesus said, I'm glad for your sakes. I'm glad for you, disciples. I'm glad for the Jews. I'm glad for Mary and Martha so that they would believe that I am the Christ, that I am the Son of the living God, that I'm not just a prophet, that I'm not just a priest, that I'm not just a king. I'm not like Moses. not like Jeremiah I'm not like Joshua I am Jesus Christ I am God okay so he says I want my I want to get glory out of this situation so that people would understand that I am God and when I speak of the Lord I am the Lord I am God okay and so this is the story where we find ourselves now if you're taking notes notice first off her assumption okay the Bible says in verse 20 then Martha As soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. I believe this is consistent with Martha's personality. She was a woman of action, okay? I know that Jesus is coming near my house. I'm going out to meet Jesus, but Mary stayed in the house. I believe Mary stayed because she had a broken heart, because of her brother's tragedy, and because of her Savior's timing, she knew that she called for Jesus. Jesus did not show up. She was going through a very, very hard time. And I, and I wanna to say, to my brothers and sisters, that I'm not knocking any individuals in the story tonight. Please don't get the idea that I'm throwing shade on Martha or Mary or on Jesus. I'm just saying, how would you respond if you called for Christ in your moment of need and in your moment of tragedy, and yet Jesus did not show up? Look what the Bible says in verse number 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Okay, if you would have been here, my my brother would not have died. And Jesus answers her in verse 23, your brother will rise again. And I find it funny that in verse 24, uh, Martha says, yeah, I know that he'll rise in the resurrection on the last day. It's as if she was saying, like, Lord, of course, like, like, I know he's going to live. I know that eventually everything's going to be all right. But what was Martha focused on at the time, my brothers and sisters? She was focused on the present. She was going through a very hard time that day. And I know that there's going to come a day when everything was going to be okay. I know there's going to come a time when my brother, I'm going to see him face to face and he's going to be healthy. But today, my heart is hurting. Have you ever been in Martha's shoes before? Have you ever thought, Lord, where were you in my moment of need? Where were you, Lord, in my moment of agony? Lord, where were you when my parents were divorced? Lord, where were you when my child went astray? Lord, where were you when I was cheated out of a promotion at my job? Lord, where were you when my loved one was taken away from me? Lord, where were you? The problem here is caused by the misconception of New Testament Christianity. You say, what is that misconception? The misconception that requires good Christians, mature Christians, to never cry, to never expose their inner feelings. Uh, There's a popular slogan uh, as I was growing up at the church and I'm not gonna try to roast anybody, but they would say, uh, fake it until you make it. Have you ever heard that? These cliches that Christians just, fake it until you make it, brother. Fake it until you make it, brother. And these same people who were going through such a hard time, they would try to f- put up a facade that everything was always okay. They would even sing songs like, everything's all right in my father's house. And, and that song is true. Everything's all right in my father's house, but everything ain't always all right. Excuse the, gram- the grammar there. Everything ain't always right in my house. You see what I'm saying? Everything's all right in God's house, but everything isn't always all right in your house. And so sometimes we Christians, we try to put on a facade like everything's okay, brother. Everything's always okay and okay and okay and okay. And right here, Martha, she frankly told the Lord, listen, Lord, everything is not okay. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. By the way, the Psalms are full of David's sorrows. If you read the book of Psalms, basically it's David pouring out his heart to the Lord. And Asaph, on one occasion, looked at Psalm 77. I want us to read it. Look at Psalm 77 tonight. Asaph, in Psalm 77, he said, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My my soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. Verse 3, I remembered God and I was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Thou holdest mine eyes waking, and I am so troubled that I can't even speak. I have considered the days of old and the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Verse 9, hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? And please notice that in our story tonight, Jesus does not reprove Martha for what she told him. Jesus does not say, be quiet, women, you don't know what you're talking about. Jesus did not say that. Jesus hears The clamor, and he hears the the care and the agony of of a woman that he loves, and he knows that he loves, uh, that she loves uh, him and and, and Jesus did not reprove her. It is not sinful to tell God how you feel. Let me say it again. It is not sinful for you to tell God how you feel. I know that for some that may sound like heresy in light of maybe some teachings that you have heard, but I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, it is not sinful for you to tell God how you feel. And I do want to say that we always have to be reverent towards God when we express ourselves to God. As for the Lord, he is in the heavens, and he has done whatsoever he will. God doesn't have a counselor. <laughs> God doesn't need to check in with me when he allows things to happen in my life. But I'm his child, and he loves me, and I have the privilege and the right to go to him and ask him, Lord, why is this happening to me? Lord, why did it happen this way? Lord, is there any way you can take this thorn away? Is there any way that you can take this memory away? Is there any way that you can heal my broken heart? Lord, I don't agree with you very respectfully, Lord, but I'm your child, and I know that you love me, okay? And I'm thankful for God's mercy that Brother Javen he hasn't squashed me like a bug when I've been in a prayer closet and I've been real with God. Yeah, listen, listen, listen. You don't necessarily always have to be right, but you must always be real with God. Always be honest with God. And by the way, You say, I'm struggling to be honest, before you ever tell God anything, God already knows your thoughts anyway. (laughs) So some of y'all try to play God like, well, I'm just going to be honest, and hey, the reason some of us can't be, can't have deep and profound relationships in this room, the reason that we struggle in marriage and with our our brothers and sisters and parents with kids and kids with parents, you know why? Because if you can't even be real with God, how can you be real with each other? Got to be honest with God. God says, I want to know, I'm interested with prayer supplication. With thanksgiving, let your what? Request. Be what? Uh, Should we make them known to God because they're unknown to him? (laughs) No. Why should we make it known to him? Because he wants to hear it from your mouth. He wants to hear it from your heart. I love this phrase here because in this portion of scripture, there's something that I didn't notice until I began to study it. But here are three things that Martha, although she doesn't agree with the timing, although she doesn't understand what's going on, but there are three things here that she knows. Have you seen it in Scripture? She knows three things. Now, look what the Bible says in verse number 21. In verse number 21, watch what the Bible says. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Okay, so, so Jesus, I know that if you were here when he was sick, 96 hours ago, uh, you would have healed him. You wouldn't even let him get sick. I I know that. Now, is that true? Yes or no? Absolutely. Yeah, of course, man. He's not going to let somebody just right there love him and he says, I know that you would have healed him. Number two, here's what she says. I know in verse number 22, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. I'll say, so she knows, listen, Lord, I know you, you would have healed my, my brother, and I know that whatever you ask your father, he's going to give to you. I know that. And the third thing that she knows, the Bible says in verse number 24, Martha saith unto him. What did she say to him, church? Ready? I know. Let's say I know on three. One, two, three. Okay, I know. Here's what I know, that he shall rise again at the resurrection at the last day. And I wrote a note here, listen, we better hold on to the things that we do know to help us endure with the things that we don't know. Okay, so she knows that God is in complete control. She knows that Jesus loves her. She knows that Lazarus will eventually live on. She knows that everything that Jesus asks of his father, his father will give it to him. Well, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I do all those things that please the father, okay? So she knows those things, but she doesn't know why she's going through a tough time. But while she does not know why she's going through a tough time, she's holding on to what she does know. And I'm telling my brothers and sisters, there's going to come times in our life where we frankly are not going to know what is going on in our lives. We won't know the way up. We won't know the way down. We won't know the difference between the east and the west. We won't have no idea. We'll be completely delusioned. We have no idea. But one thing we do know, we know that Jesus is faithful and true. We know that Jesus loves us with an unconditional love. We know that Jesus is merciful. We know that Jesus is full of grace. We know that he does all things well. We know that he would never uh, do anything to harm us, but everything to help us. We know that God is good. Praise God. That's what I know. God is good. <laughs> I'm afraid that many people, in fact, some Christians behave as if they're living on men's predictions rather than God's promises. I don't want to live my life based on predictions. I want to live my life based on the promises of God. And the songwriter had it right. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages, let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Verse 2 says this, standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. And one of the promises of scriptures is that God tells his people, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a promise and you can take that to the bank, my brothers and sisters. God is faithful, oh yes he is. Standing on the promises. I don't wanna live my life by the predictions of man, I wanna live them by the promises of God. Would you notice next his authority? I love the way that Jesus responds to Martha's assumptions. Watch what he says in verse 25. In verse 25, to me, it's just one of the most powerful statements in all of the Bible. In all of the Bible, one of the most powerful statements made in all of Scripture. And I know that you can point to a dozen others, okay? I know that. But verse 25, let's read these verses together. Uh, This verse together. Ready, begin. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me First of all, you notice what Jesus said when he told Martha. He says, "I am the resurrection. I, I am." This is the fifth time that Jesus is using the phrase out of Exodus chapter number 3. Exodus 3, where Moses is called to be the liberator of the children of Israel, and Moses asking God, Lord, who do I tell Pharaoh that sent me? Tell me, who. when I show up, they're going to laugh at me. Who do I tell them? Under whose authority am I being sent? And God told Moses, hey, I am that I am has sent me. Just tell Pharaoh, I am that I am has sent me. Yahweh has sent you. Jehovah God has sent you. That's the authority that you're coming to let my people go. And Jesus, it is no coincidence, it is providential that Jesus would call himself I am throughout the book of John. There are seven sayings of I am's in the book of John. In John 6:35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the door. In John 10, 11 through 14, he said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. In John eleven twenty five, 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And in John 15, 1 through 5, he says, I am the vine. It is no coincidence that Jesus would equate himself with the Father. He's saying, all authority has been given unto me. I don't have some authority. I don't have 50% of the authority. No. I have 100% all authority in heaven and in earth. I like the way the Ephesians put it. Ephesians says in chapter one, number 1 and verse 19, Ephesians says, "And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places." far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all the things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all things. And that is the authority that Jesus speaks with when he tells Martha, hey, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And I want to say tonight, Jesus has authority over my sin. Jesus has authority over all sickness. Jesus has authority over Satan. Jesus has authority over all hell. Jesus has authority over the church. Jesus has authority over creation. Jesus has authority, my brothers and sisters, even over uh, the, the keys of death and hell. Jesus has all authority. The promise that he makes here in verse 26, look what he says. I'm um, the resurrection and the life. Verse 26, he says, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me. Now, now, listen to this church. Shall never die. I know that we are nonchalant sometimes. I know I am when I read this. I think, that I don't really understand that. But he says, shall never die. Let's say, shall never die on three. One, two, three. Shall never die. Shall never die. Shall never die. He promises that those who believe in him, though they die physically, they will live forever. Though you die physically, you will live forever. Of course, my heart breaks when I think of of Charlie. I I love Charlie and um, just a wonderful testimony in high school. Uh, I think about the boys that played on his basketball team. It would be as if you played against someone that you're familiar with and you become friends, and that was Charlie. Tremendous testimony, a preacher, a teacher, a father, a husband, assistant pastor. God has used his life for many years in Long Beach. And uh, Charlie's fighting for his life tonight. He's 40 years old, has children, beautiful wife. And I've thought over the last three weeks, the questions come to my mind, why? Why, God? That is a question that only God has the answer to. The reality about Charlie's situation is that either Charlie is going to live or he's going to live. And as Christians, this is one of the greatest promises in all of Scripture. He that believeth in me, though he were dead physically, yet shall he live spiritually. And isn't that a greatest promise, my brothers and sisters, today? Nothing can hinder him from giving life because he doesn't have life. He is life. <laughs> Jesus said, I don't just teach about the resurrection. I don't just preach about the resurrection. Jesus looked her in the eyes and he said, Martha, I, I am the resurrection. <laughs> I am the very power of God unto life. The believer will never die, but simply make an instant transition from an old life to a new life. Y'all remember that old school TV show? Moving on up. Y'all remember that? To a deluxe apartment in the sky. Those who die in Christ just simply move up. (laughs) I know that we down here don't quite understand it. Because we are like the disciples. Lord, they thought they were going to kill you yesterday in Jerusalem. Why are we going going there? Judea, why why are we going to Judea? They didn't understand. They feared death so much. I'm not going to knock them because I fear it too. Because I don't know what it feels like. I'm not seeing the other side yet. But I believe the promises in Scripture that those who have gone on to the other side... If God could give them just a moment to come back and tell us all about it, if God could give them a chance, I believe they would tell us all, I'm more alive today than I've ever been, for I am in the presence of the Lamb of God. I'm in a celestial city. I don't have to cross the street anymore. (laughs) I'm on the street. I don't have to pay the light bill anymore because Jesus Christ is the light of that city. What a tremendous promise. One of the things that really convicted me about this passage is her answer. I wanna remind us all that she was in the midst of grief. She just lost her brother four days ago. By the way, her only brother, her baby brother. She called for Jesus to come and Jesus, we know that the reason he, not, he did not come was for the glory of God, but they didn't know that. She's in the greatest trial of her life. She's in the greatest trial of her life. Where does she answer the Lord? Verse number 27. <laughs> Would you help me read a church? John eleven twenty-seven. 27. Ready, begin. She saith unto him, yea, Lord. What did she say? I believe that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, when I read that last week, I thought, what an amazing answer. In the middle of your trial, in the middle of the hardest moment of your life, you told Jesus, I I still believe in you. I still believe in you. She said yes when all she could see was no. What an amazing, amazing answer. I heard a song years ago and I was a kid in church, and I heard it in Spanish, and then I found out it was in English. But I I love to sing to the Lord and um Most of my singing, whether you believe it or not, is not even done at church. It's not done behind this pulpit. Most of my singing is is done out at parks. and I don't sing in the shower. I want to drive people crazy at the house. But singing in parks and in my car when I'm driving or having time with the Lord in my prayer closet, that's when I do a lot of singing. This is one of the songs that I sing to the Lord, and I know that you know it. I don't know about tomorrow, I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its sky may turn to gray. I don't worry or the future for I know what Jesus said and today I'll walk beside Him. tomorrow. I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow. I'm sure there's somebody in the room tonight who doesn't know about today, about tomorrow, and that's, I think that's applicable to all of us. But I just want to encourage you brothers and sisters as we travel down this journey of life, we may not know about tomorrow, but we know who holds it. And he holds our hands. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty.